We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Chapter 5. Ephesians 5, and uh, today we're going to continue uh, a series on marriage, divorce, and, and remarriage. How many of you here are married, just out of curiosity? Okay, so a lot of you here. How many of you here are not married, but you want to be married? Just out of curiosity. No. <laughs> All right, all of you that just raise your hand, stand up. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> How many of you who are married and don't want to be married? No, I'm just joking. I won't say that. That's the only worst thing that can happen, right? <laughs> oh, man. You know, I wanted to go farther. I wanted to just kind of like just um, just touch on a few issues, but it's just impossible to do because I think it's such an important topic, um, this whole fabric of the family, this whole uh, teaching on marriage. And so what I want to do today is just, again, I, I do encourage you. I strongly encourage you, if you can make it out, if you're married, you know, to come to these uh, studies that are going to be given on uh, uh, in February through Adrian Rogers. Now, Adrian Rogers is not going to be here because he's in heaven, okay? Um, he's a great uh, man of God, and, and I'm sure he's being blessed there in heaven right now, but he still has the studies, and, and Shelly and I will listen to them and watch them. We consider him, in one sense, our spiritual uh, grandpa, uh, great, great study. So, you know, come for that. You're going to get a lot of meat there. But today, what I, I want to share with you is just kind of like some basics on marriage that I think that are fundamental. Um, if you're here today and maybe you're struggling in your marriage, uh, um, you know, this will help you. This will help you to get back to the basics so that you can um, enjoy your marriage and so that your marriage will exalt God. You know, marriage, I think, in one sense, is supposed to, you know, bring a certain element of happiness. You know, if you're married and you're like all bummed out that you're married, I mean, that's not, you know, what God wants. If you read the scriptures, you realize that a part of marriage is that whole idea of companionship. But primarily, though, we need to know this. It's not for our happiness. It's really more for our holiness. God will use your spouse and this whole thing about dying to self and living for someone else to change your life. And so I think when we take that into consideration, I, I think it helps us. When things are going wrong, when you find yourself, you know, discouraged, disappointed, you have high expectations are not being met, and a lot of times we look to our spouse to fulfill us and it's not going to happen, then, you know, we need to go back to the Bible and ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you call me to do? So that, you know, here I am, husband and wife, I can make you happy. And that's what we find here in Ephesians chapter 5. As we've gone through our series, let me just remind you what we went over last week, because I think it's important to have a few things in our understanding regarding marriage, especially in the days that we live in. Last week we went over the fact that a couple that's living together is living in sin. And that does not equate to marriage. And so, you know, if you're here today and you're living with your boyfriend and your girlfriend, you either need to enter into marriage or you need to get out of the house. You've got to do something. You cannot continue in that lifestyle. You're at a crossroads and God's challenging you. And so my encouragement to you is to know what the Bible teaches. You need to get married or you need to get out of the house if you want God to bless your life. 
Because a lot of times we know we're thinking that, well, you know, common law says that if we're together for a certain amount of years and we're, you know, married in the laws of the land, yeah, but not in the eyes of God. And so we need to know that. We also need to know that marriage can take place only between a man and a woman. Not a man and a man, not a girl and a girl. That's not what God teaches. And so we as Christians especially must fight for what's right in God's sight. You know, no matter what the laws of the land says, no matter what the world says, God will never recognize same-sex marriage. And the reason I say that is because, let me just share with you, just in case you weren't here last week, when God designed marriage, he designed a mother and a father, and then the children came. When you take that away, you're messing with God's design for marriage, which is the fabric of society. It's a fabric, it's the core, before government was invented, before even the church was established, God established family. And the destruction of the family is then the destruction of society. And therefore, I would just challenge you to make sure that you have that in your heart. We love everybody, but we don't mess around with what God started. You know, if you vote for a politician who supports same-sex marriage, then you are a contributor to the destruction of society. And so we need to fight for what's right. We need to make sure we stand up for God. Thirdly, we saw last week that Christians are commanded to marry within the faith. And so if you're a Christian, you're supposed to only marry another Christian. And so don't play with fire. Don't mess around. Don't fall for a non-believer don't date like that. I want to encourage you to wait rather on the Lord. Because remember, you guys, he has someone for you. You know, now we're going into a series on marriage. And, you know, some single people will say, oh, man, I don't want to hear that. You know, because um, I'm not married and I want to be married so bad. And I can't even listen to this, you know. But here's the thing is that you're, you're maybe you're going to get married next next month or, you know, six months down the road, a year from now, and there's a few things to take into consideration. Number one, you know, you know, finding that person or getting married is not just finding the right person; it's also being the right person. When you're being the right person, you might have a, a better chance, as a matter of fact, of finding the right person. And so, not only that, you know, so these are things you begin to say. Okay, now I need to establish this in my life. And then, when you enter into marriage, you're not going to be blindsided, you know. You're not going to be sat from behind. You're going to know what you're getting into. You're going to know what you need to be. And you begin to cultivate things like this. And so for all of us here, it's good. Christians, be so careful. Don't marry someone who's not a Christian. If you're dating someone and you're not sure they're a Christian, but you are, get out of the relationship. Don't gamble with something that's so important as this. Yeah, but we love each other. You know, that's not... Love, number one, and you got to love God more than you love that person. Because then God has someone else for you. All I'm saying is this. This is what the Bible teaches. And when we mess around with stuff like this, we're going to destroy ourselves. We're going to destroy our children. We're going to destroy them. We've got to wait on the Lord, you guys. We've got to do things God's way. And so this brings us now into uh, a study today that pretty much is going to be focused on the role and responsibility of a husband and of a wife. You know, when you go and you get married, you know, you're standing before that guy 
And he you know, says, I now pronounce you husband and wife. What does that mean? See, now you're going to bear a new title for the rest of your life. And so what does it mean to be a husband? Well, like I've shared with you before, you know, to have a title, it, it doesn't mean anything. To me, though, it means that you have a task. Like, I'm a pastor, so what? Who cares? You don't have to call him a pastor, you know, Manny. Or you don't have to ha- even call them, you know, Dr. So-and-so. It's just a title. We're not into titles. But we are into tasks. As a pastor, this is what he's supposed to do. As a doctor, this is what he's supposed to do. As a husband, this is what he's supposed to do. And as a wife, this is what she's supposed to do. And so that title brings a certain task. And what we want to do today is, again, not exhaustive, but touch on some basics that I think can help us in this whole thing regarding marriage and especially the role and responsibility of husbands and wives. And so, again, just skimming the surface, here's what I want to share with you guys as husbands. Number one, husbands are to be lovers and leaders. Okay, lovers and leaders. And husbands are like, yeah, lovers, oh yeah. No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about, man. I'm not talking about, you know, although that is part of it, and it sets a whole other study right there that's that's very, very important, you know. Um, I'm not talking about the Greek word eros. I'm talking about the Greek word agape. There's a word agape in the Greek language that was made famous really by Christians. And what it means is you as a husband are to have a self-sacrificial love. A love that is unconditional. A love that seeks her highest good. And since it's sacrificial, it expects nothing and unconditional Nothing in return. What basically God calls husbands to do is to love their wife with his love. That's how how it works. We see it here in Ephesians chapter 5. Notice what it says in verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And just in case you didn't catch that, he goes down again and he says it again in verse 28. So husbands ought to what? Love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Later on, down here in verse 33, just in case you missed it, he says it one more time. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. You see the commandment here three times in Ephesians 5. And this word right here means to seek her highest good. It's an unconditional love, it's a sacrificial love. It's an agape love, like Colossians 3, verse 14. It's a love. It's the bond of perfection. And you guys, that's the calling that we have as husband. It's the love that keeps on giving, the giving of oneself, one's time, one's body, one's energy, one's mind, one's heart, one's life. You give your life for your wife. You know, and, and i got to share this with you, um, because what we're going to see in Ephesians is a comparison of Jesus Christ and, and his church and how Jesus came to save us. You know, if you're here today and you're a Christian, um, you know, you're forgiven now. You're free. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed away your sins. He's given you a home in heaven. He's given you everything you really need in life. Jesus Christ has saved you. He has. He saved me. And it's a wonderful thing. And you enjoy that, you know, salvation. 
You know, and, and so now we take that whole, you know, illustration, the whole comparison, and we take it now into the marriage relationship. And just as Jesus saved the church, husbands, you are the Savior of the body. That's what the Bible says. You're the one to love your wife as Christ has loved the church. And, you know, i got to share this with you. You know, I didn't always understand this. I remember there was a time when I thought it was 50-50, kind of like, you know, um, we're just humans. I'm not Jesus. And, you know, she's got to submit to me whether or not I'm good or bad. And, um, you know, she's got her responsibility and I've got mine. And it's true. You know, wives, we're going to talk about your role and responsibility in just a second. And it's not based on your husband's, you know, performance as a husband. But I'm telling you this, the more I read the Bible, the more I realize husbands, we are the leaders. We are the head. We are the heroes. Like Jesus is with the church. And you may not like that. You may blame it on your wife. You may say, well, it's her and then it's all these things that she does and she's got issues. All I'm saying is this, man. God gave her to you. He wants you to be her hero. He wants you to be your knight in shining armor. Just like, you know, the, the, the stories, you know, you say it's the day. You come in and you're strong. You're the leader. God gives you wisdom to be the head. How do you do it? How? Well, how did Jesus do it? Love. He loved us. Even when we were his enemies. He loved us. And in that love, he saved us. And you must love your wife. And in that love... You know, in a certain sense, not in a, you know, in a, in a spiritual sense, but in a certain sense, you will save your wife. That's how big it is. To unconditionally, that means whether she burns her chorizo or not, it doesn't matter, man. It doesn't matter unconditionally. It doesn't matter what she did, what she didn't do, what she said. And you know, we can say things that are mean. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's never turned on and off. It's just a love. It's a dying. It's a dying. Think about that. Dying. I mean, we fight to stay alive. You know, and you should. And from a physical standpoint, you get people in the hospital and they're there. And I see you and you tell them, fight. And I do believe if they have a will to live, that that will make a difference. And you encourage them to live. That's a physical thing. But, you know, we fight to stay alive. But now think about it, man. In this relationship with your wife, you die. You, husbands, lay down your life and you die for your wife. You know? And I don't know what that means to you, but I know that it's just been hitting home more and more. You know? And if you want to, you can just say, well, I don't really know how that works in my life. And you go out and you do your own thing. Go back to your old routine. Go back to your old ways. Go back to your interests and the boys and all the things that you do. Just go back. Or 
You can go to the Lord and you can say, Lord, show me. How do I love my wife? What are the things that need to change in my life in order to show her that I love her? Oh, you tell her that you love her. Big deal. Some guys don't even tell their wife they love them. And you know, I think it's good to tell them that you love them. But of course, it's much more important to prove that you love them. How do you love them? What do you do? All I'm saying is that I think it's an ambiguous thing at times. And you can think you're loving them. And in all reality, if they were cornered, they would say, no, he doesn't really love me. I see it. And yet, it's the basic of being a husband. It says, husbands, love your wives in verse 25. Just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for her. You know, as a love that we have like Christ's love, it's a sacrificing love. It's also a sanctifying love. Look what it says in verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Because a lot of guys will say, you know what? My wife's all messed up though, you know? She's got a whole bunch of wrinkles. And, uh, you know, blemishes. And, you know, flaws. And... And whatever it is, you know, and for some reason you think that you're the exception. Well, because my wife is just, you know, all my different. And and the Lord says, no, your love is a sacrificing love. Your love is a sanctifying love. That when you love her, in one sense, you kind of like change her. You 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 sanctify her with the washing of water by the word. You're able then to present yourself, not a... You know, a bride, a glorious bride. No wrinkles, no blemishes. Things begin to change. See, the law of God will change you from the outside, and it has its place. But it's the love of God that will change you from the inside. The love of God. And it's so cool when you know the love of God just by reading the Bible, understanding the cross, But it's also cool when you know the love of God through someone who loves you with the love of God. Through someone who loves you unconditionally, sacrificially, seeking your highest good. They're interested in you. They want the best for you. They think of you. They know what you need. They meet your needs. And then you find a transformation. They say that you can know a lot about a husband by looking not at him, look at his wife. Look into her eyes. You see, all I'm saying is this love is a sacrificing love, this love is a sanctifying love, and this love is also a satisfying love. Because notice again, it says right there that we present her, he presents her to who? To himself. And then when you get that, that wife, man, this is just a blessing, huh? Isn't it a blessing? We talked about the fact that 50% of all marriages end in divorce. 12.5% of those, percent of those marriages that succeed hate their marriage. <laughs> I guess you, I don't know if you call that a success. 25% could take it or leave it. Only 12.5% say, you know what, this is beautiful. I love 
this relationship. It's blessed. It's it's right. And uh, all I'm saying is that, man, I think God wants to make that increase. See, as husbands, it's not complicated, you guys. We're lovers. Okay, lovers. Not in an erotic sense only, but in an agape sense. And also, number two, see, it's not a lot. We're leaders. Okay, so lovers and leaders. Because notice what it says right here in verse 23. For the husband is what? Head of the wife. As also Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Head. And so we're lovers. We're leaders. That's who we are as husbands, right? You know, a very common complaint from wives, some say the most common complaint is that their husband is not leading. You know, in far too many cases, Alistair Begg said, the wife has assumed the initiating role, not because she wants the position, but because she's afraid that the car is about to crash, and since her husband has vacated the seat or fallen asleep at the wheel. And you see, God wants us to to be leaders. You know, he really does. You know, a lot of times what ends up happening is the guy is saying, look, it says right there, I'm the leader, you know. I'm the leader. And so there you are in the car, right? And you're like, give me the keys. I'm driving. I'm the leader. She's like, okay, I guess so. You know, so you're in the car, but here's the problem. You don't know where you're going. Have you ever been in that situation? In all reality, what makes a good leader? A good follower of Jesus Christ. If you're leading, think about it. You've got a whole bunch of people leading you to a certain destination. What happens if you don't know where you're going? A whole bunch of people are going to be following a guy who has no clue where he's going, and they're going to end up in the wrong place. Okay, as a leader, it's not just, I'm the leader. It's like, I'm the leader. I've got a responsibility. I've got to know where I'm going. Where am I leading my wife? Where am I leading my kids? You know, the other day we went to Pasadena, and we kind of got lucky after the Rose Parade, we kind of got lost. Not really. I mean, you're never really lost, right? Okay. <laughs> so we're driving around. We didn't want to go on the freeway because it was too packed. And so anyways, we were just driving down the street. My daughter says, hey, there's, uh, what's it called? Roscoe's Waffle and Chicken. Let's go there. And so we kind of stumbled upon a place that I think God wanted us to be, to be honest with you, man. <laughs> And sometimes I think people live their life like that that way. I'm just gonna just gonna stumble on, it'll happen. Yeah, and every once in a while God gives you grace and God blesses you, man. But that's really not how we're supposed to live. Again, here's my challenge, man. Again. You gotta get on your face. You gotta get on your knees. You must hear from God. Where are you leading your family? you got to hear from God. And the Lord will show you, this was my plan for your family. This is my plan for your family. When God led Joseph and Mary, and remember Jesus when he was a baby, he led them through Joseph. And I think as husbands, we've got to understand that we are leaders. A leader knows the way, and then he goes the way. And then what does he do? He shows the way. It says right here that he is the head. Verse 23, the husband is the head of the wife. Now that word head in the Greek, it's also translated to rule. And so a lot of guys are all saying, see, it says I'm head. 
See, I, I rule. Right? Okay, but here, check it out. What language was the Bible written in? It wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek, the New Testament, right? And so you get down to the Greek word, and the Greek word is this. It means to stand before, to be set over as a protector, a guardian, a caregiver, a servant leader. You see, that's what we are as head. It's not complicated. Husbands here today, my encouragement to you is just to know the basics now. You'll be blessed when you do things God's way and you begin to love your wife as Christ loved the church and you begin to lead your wife in the ways of the Lord. You be the one to say, sweetheart, let's go to church. You be the one to say, sweetheart, let's pray and let's get on our knees together, not just when we eat. You be the one to say, let's open up the Bible. Let's go to the Bible study. Let's do this. You lead your wife spiritually. See, that's what husbands are called to do. And and then I think the wife will respond. And again, your wife, your responsibility is, again, it's not based solely on whether or not he performs. Of course it makes it easier. But, you know, the, the wife has a couple of things that I want to share with you. Some responsibility, I think, that we need to know as a society because I think we don't understand what marriage is because we're getting so much counsel from the world. What are wives supposed to do? You know, and again, there's a lot to it. But now we're going to see that they complement each other. And we see the wife is supposed to do a couple of things. She's supposed to be, number one, a helper. And number two, a homemaker, according to the Bible. I was thinking about this when they were doing the announcements today. Helps ministry. Helps ministry. I was like, man, in one sense, all the wives should come, man. Because <laughs> they have the helps ministry. They're called to be helpers. It says in Genesis 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. That's what wives are, according to the Bible in the very beginning. The word helper, it speaks of an assistance. It carries the idea of rescuing. And those husbands, they need rescuing. Let me tell you, man, they really do, man. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. See, wives, you're called to help him, not hinder him, not harp on him, not hurt him. Wives, you're called to help him. Husbands should receive the most help and support from their wives. As a helper, we see that means a couple of things over in Ephesians here. Number one, it means to be submissive. Look what it says in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. The word submissive in the Greek is hupotasso. It means to arrange under. It means to subordinate. It was used in Greek uh, military uh, words as a troop and division. Imagine when it'd be like you're out there in war and there's no structure. Who's in charge? Nobody. Everybody. 
you will lose the war. And the same is true in, you know, your workplace. The same is true in, you know, in the home. There's got to be that spiritual structure. The same is true even in the Godhead. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11.3, I want you to note the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Even in the spiritual structure of the unit, the Trinity, they're the same in nature. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But there's that structure there. You've got the wife, her husband is head over her. Jesus is head over the husband. The father is head over the son. Very simple. You know, again, it doesn't speak of inferiority. It doesn't mean that, that men are better than women. As a matter of fact, I think I've told you too many times, but I believe it, that many times the, the wiser are more smart, huh? They're smarter, huh? That's the bottom line, man. The, a lot of times the wise... They've just, man, they got it in order, man. They've got like this sixth and seventh sense that we're, you know, we need, you know. And we're like, Lord, why didn't you make them, you know, it seems like they're better. And a lot of times the wise, well, they know it. They know it, you know. I'm smarter, right? (laughs) And so what happens? They take over. They take over. And let me just tell you something that's wrong. You're not called to lead the family. You're not called to, he's the head. You're not the neck even then. Oh, I turn it the way I want it. A lot of wives are manipulators. They will get their way somehow, some way. And they do not let their husbands lead them. Yeah, but he's, he's in a mess of sorrow. Let him. Let him. You know what? Because then he might grow up. Then he might learn. And I'm not saying to take it lightly as a wife. You know, you got to tell your husband what you, what's, what the Lord's showing you. And husbands, man, you better listen to your wife because God gave her to you, you know, for a reason. But in the end, in the end, wives, you don't get the final say. And you've got to let him lead. Because it makes for the relationship that God designed. You, know, you read the same thing about the submissiveness in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. And it's beautiful, the flow right there. The wife is submissive and she's reverent. She's beautiful on the inside. All those things, submissive, reverent, beautiful on the inside. And then it says that she's Effective. It ends up saying that she wins her husband. She wins her husband when she does things God's way. You see, and that's what ends up happening, you guys. I know it's hard for you ladies. I know it's hard. You know, because we husbands, we got to submit when we go to work, huh? You guys, how many of you here, you go to work and your boss tells you dig a hole? Oh, thank you. I love to dig a hole, you know. No way, man. But what do you do? You got to do it because you got to submit to your boss. Right. And so there's your wife. Put yourself in her shoes. It's not easy. It goes against the grain. I think even in Genesis 3.16, it's part of the curse that she wants to rule over you. So it's not easy. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord will give you that. And then what you're going to find is that when you do things God's way, he honors it. And then in one sense, it becomes easier because God's faithfulness is exercised. 
and you follow the Lord how by faith. You see, as a helper, you've got to be submissive. Secondly, you've got to be respective, if I could just say that. Look what it says in verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, something interesting about this right here. It almost seems like the concluding statement. The concluding statement. Husbands, love your wife. That's the primary thing. Wives, respect your husbands. Almost like a conclusive primary principle. And in one sense, I think many theologians have found that to be true. Some marriage counselors believe this to be the most important thing a wife can do for her husband. Men need to know that their wife is behind them, that their wife supports them. They need to be respected by their wives. Maybe not, you know, the guy's not living a, 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 a life that you... You know, you respect his conduct, but you got to respect the position. You've got to honor the position, the place that God's put him. And what ends up happening is a lot of times wives will do it just the opposite. To me, I found this kind of crazy thing, man. It goes just against the grain of who we are and the flow of the world that we live in. Husbands, a lot of times, bottom line is, we are selfish. And God says, Love her. It's like the opposite of selfishness. And wives, a lot of times, what ends up happening is they're they're not able to respect their husbands and they instead disrespect them. They disrespect their husbands. And that's like, in in many ways, the worst thing that, that you can do. You've got to take it to God. I know it's not easy. To be submissive and to be respective. You know, it's not easy to say, okay, you know, you drive, even though you're lost, you know, you go ahead and take the lead. Let him lead. Watch what God will do. You see, wives are called to be helpers, and they are also called to be homemakers. And for that, we'll close. If you would, go over to Titus chapter 2. where Paul is writing about the conduct of the church. He speaks now in verse 3 to the older woman, Likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, and the word of God may not be blasphemed. I know there's a lot here, and I know we're short on time. But at the heart of the role and responsibility of the wife is the title of being a homemaker. The Greek word, it means caring for the house. It means working at home. It means the keeper of the house. It speaks of what I call a domestic engineer. It means that when the wife works outside of the home, she goes and she gets a job out there in the workforce, it means that that's not the perfect will of God. It's permissive, but it's not the perfect will of God. So why do so many wives and Christian wives that really love the Lord, why do they marry, you know, why do they go outside the home and work, and why do they let others raise their children, and why do they let others school their children? 
And, you know, this is a, a tough issue. There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of misconceptions. But sometimes they're not aware. There's a few times when they don't really care what God says in his word. And I know sometimes it's financially a difficult situation in the world that we live in. But I would say that if you're in that situation and you're a wife here today and you're working outside the home, I would just say to you, get do everything you can to get back into that home, to be a homemaker like God calls you to be. Believe me, wives, if you fill your role as a homemaker, you'll never be bored with your children. Because <laughs> some wives say, well, I can't stay at home all day. I'll be bored. No, you won't. You won't be bored with your children. You'll never, ever, 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 ever be sorry that you traded the temporary treasures of this world for the eternal treasures that God provides as you are there as a homemaker. Raising your children. Loving your children. I'm not saying you're not loving your children. I'm not saying you're raising your children. But I'm talking about 100% of the time. You become the primary influence into the little hearts of your children. And that's why God calls wives to be homemakers. Proverbs 14.1 says the wise woman builds her house. Okay, and that's not Home Depot, man. That's not, okay. <laughs> wives, you know, build your house, man. Just like the guys... You know, we're supposed to go, and uh, we got Brother Ray here. He could build a whole house, man. And he builds the walls, and he frames it, and he, you know, you name it, man. You know, puts the roof on. It's a physical house, and it's made for physical protection. So I can go in, and I can be safe physically. But the wife, in many ways, what she does is she builds the house spiritually. She builds not a house. She builds a home. It's a place where the family, where the children will be safe in God's care and in God's word, where God will protect them, where God will direct them, and where God will perfect them. I know it's hard financially, but I'll tell you what, man. I'd rather rent a tent if I need to. I'll do whatever I can. And I want to encourage you. Take those steps of faith. Man. This is what husbands are. They're lovers and they're leaders. Wives are helpers and homemakers. That's what the Bible says. And in all these issues, I know we have a lot of counsel that flows around. But man, let this, let this be your final authority in life. Father, we thank you so much for your love and grace, Lord, and mercy. Father God, I, I just pray that you would, Lord, do a work in our hearts and in our marriages and our life. Lord, you are so gracious. And I just thank you that you have called us here today on this Sunday, January 15th, 2012. Maybe it will be an epic day, Lord, where lives will be surrendered to your love. I pray, Father, that you would lead us and guide us and that we would go Husbands need to go to their prayer closets and wives need to go to their prayer closets and listen to the voice of God. Encourage them, Lord. Like we talked about, like Gia was saying, Lord, our eyes want to be on you now. There's a place for self-examination, but it doesn't replace concentration on Jesus. Lord, do that work today. 
And just before we close, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, with everybody praying, heads bowed, and today you want to give your life to the Lord fully and completely. Today is the day of salvation for you. Turning from your sins, trusting in Jesus. You want to know that when you die, you go to heaven. You want to be forgiven. You want a new start. And right where you're at, I just want you to raise your hand. We're going to pray for you. Anyone here? Most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And we can't do anything in any relationship without that first step. So anyone here, right where you're at, man, don't be afraid. Between you and the Lord, just raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Anyone here? Thank you, Lord, for that hand that's gone up. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? It's the most important decision you'll ever make. And don't say, I'll do it tomorrow. Thank you, Lord, for the hand that's gone up. Because you might not have tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. He loves you so much. He wants to bless you. With all his goodness. Anyone else? Father, I thank you for the hands that went up, Lord, today. And I pray, Lord, that that would just be something that you see. Lord, as you sit on the throne, just speak life. Speak life over them, Lord. Do a work in our hearts and our marriages and our relationship with you. I pray, Father, for, Lord, everyone here, Lord, that you would encourage us today in your amazing, amazing love. Thank you, Father, for giving us your Holy Spirit, for giving us your grace, for giving us your love. You encourage your beautiful church, Lord, as we sing and as we go out of the highways and byways, may we always glorify you. We pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.